I'm Darren Garhi, and you're listening to The Laughs of Your Life, the podcast where I talk to influential people about laughter. From their first memories of laughter to feeling laughed at, to the moment where if they didn't laugh, they'd cry. Oh my so God. I start sprinting no. down the hill after the Jeep, like a young one in flip-flops and jeans, <laughs> sprinting after a ton Jeep, like down the street, right? So anyway, thank God it didn't hit anybody, right? It eventually stops and crashes into these cars outside the Garda station on Henry Street in Limerick, right? Your man says, don't worry, love. I know who owns them. They're the unmarked Garda cars. Oh, no. <laughs> swear no. to God. I no. swear to God. Jackie Hurley, the new presenter of Rugby and RT TV and all-round sports journalist boss, is my guest this week. She talked to me about how she almost quit RT after missing out on her dream presenting job, how she and her family had to rebuild their lives after the tragic death of her younger brother, and that one phrase that sets everyone off in the WhatsApp group. I'm delighted to tell you that this season of the Last Fair Life podcast is brought to you by FNF Fashion at Tesco. Did you know that it takes approximately 45 litres of water to manufacture one pair of jeans? One pair. Well, since 2015, FNF at Tesco have been developing low impact denim to use less water, less energy consumption, and less chemicals. So if you do pop into Tesco for your Easter eggs this week and you happen to pick up a pair of jeans, bear in mind that you're doing your bit to live more sustainably. Find out where your nearest FNF store is by visiting tesco.ie forward slash store locator. And now for my chat with Jackie Hurley. I hope you enjoy. Jackie Hurley, you are extremely welcome to the last of your life. Thank you for having me. I'm <laughs> delighted to be here. Why did you pause there? You me I fright. don't know. I just wasn't really sure. Is this where I come in? Delighted to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, you had a day off today, which is rare enough for you because you you seem to, I feel like every time I turn on the TV, you're there. And yeah. every time, yeah. I know. My mother was like, my Christmas wish is to see you less. And I was like, <laughs> thanks, ma'am. She was like, you're just, you're just everywhere at the moment. And I was like, I know. Yeah. So I'm trying to get a control over it at the moment where just, I think the Six Nations was particularly busy and it was the first time I'd done it. So it was just like really relentless in terms of just being on it all the time so I'm trying to ease off now for the summer good it's not easy when there's like championship and all that on but like look I kind of like it that way but it'd be nice to just get a bit of balance as well you need the balance you do you really do yeah and your family will be the first ones to tell you if you feel like you're striking it in the wrong way too totally I Mary Kennedy remember she suffered from burnout and Mm -hmm. she spoke about that like you, it's so easy to just because when you're enjoying it in the moment you just go full throttle into it and you don't really think and you're like yeah I'll do that shift yeah I'll cover that yeah but you actually have to kind of just go no yeah and you know what it's funny because like you're like me you know when you get into something you just go full throttle at it you don't see it any other way and Mary is absolutely right in the way that she talks about it like this is my dream job yeah. I wanted to do this since I was a kid so it's very hard to say no and then when you get all of your dreams suddenly you're just like ah oh, yeah I'm just going to keep going at it yeah. but it's very hard to kind of stop yourself then and you're like I, I have two small children and like they're really busy at the weekends and I have a, an incredibly understanding husband and if that didn't work then it wouldn't be worth it for me totally. you know so right now it really works and it's an amazing life but there's a lot of other people who sacrifice a lot to make sure that I get what I want to and, and I'm very aware of that as well you know it takes a village to make it, it really does tough, yeah now thank you for being on the yeah. <laughs> we've solved it yeah okay your first memory of laughter Jackie Hurley uh, I suppose I'm like a lot of people um, who you've spoken 
spoken to before where I don't really have like one cognizant memory of my very first uh, laughter. But what I do remember is laughing a lot. Like I would have grown up in a household where laughter was just the norm. Um, and I used to have this thing when I was younger that my mom and dad used to call my funny half hour. So do you know when you get into that stage where you're laughing so hard and you can't stop yourself <laughs> and you like snot yourself because you're like you're trying to explain what's so funny and then you're like, ah, she's gone again. And like when I was younger, they just used to call it the funny half hour. And it was just like my mom and dad would be like, will you just stop? Will you just stop and tell us what's wrong? And I'd be like, oh, but this is just so funny. And it was just, <laughs> we were just always laughing. And like, I suppose in my family, I've had an older sister and a younger brother who sadly passed away a couple of years ago, but we were really close in age. And you know, you just, you probably have this with your sisters where there's just divilment. Like, yes. And my dad always used to say, if there was two of you, grand. If the third one comes along, drama. <laughs> like, and I remember there was this one time where we used to, we grew up in Australia and me and my sister used to share bunk beds and we had this table in our room and it had like a leather top and I don't know what happened and I don't know who did this, but the leather top got scratched, right? And my father went bananas and he was just like, right, I'm going to lock you all into the room until somebody confesses. And I was there going, she's a bit dramatic, like, you know, <laughs> but he was just like, you're not coming out because you need to learn that whoever did it needs to confess. So anyway, we were inside in the room for a, a while and whatever. We were like, we're never going to get out of this. And then my sister Trina says, look at Sean, you're the youngest and the cutest. You go out there and tell him you confess and then he'll let us all out right so Sean knocks on the door out dad hi I confess and my dad just turns around and he goes what do you confess to Sean and Sean goes I don't know the girls just told me to say it otherwise we'd never get out of the room and it was just like we were always just having the crack but like I suppose because we were so close there was always a bit of divilment as well and I think my mom and dad just loved that they could always hear us laughing uh, that, yeah oh my god that's all they want yeah when totally you're, when you're younger for you to just get for there to be harmony yeah completely talk to me about Australia so how long was that for? Uh, so I moved there when I was three uh, my dad's an electrician and my mom's a nurse and they were like in that stage where I'm sure lots of Irish people are now where they just moved to get a better life um, so we were there when I was three until when I was ten so for seven years mo like most of my primary school life was out there and I loved it. Did like, you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, because like they're really fond of the outdoors in Australia. Like everything is just so built around like being outside, playing sport, having the crack. And like because we were Irish in Australia, it was like all the expats would always be like at our house or one of our other friends' houses. So there was always lots of barbecues, lots of parties and like you know, my mum and dad would be fond of the crack as well. Like, and so we'd be kind of going up in the night to tell them, is there any chance you could keep it down? Because we're trying to sleep, you know, <laughs> but, it, but it was nice because we grew up like that, knowing that it was nice to have doors that just constantly were swinging open where yeah. there was people always welcome because it was always like a nice Irish community, even though we were away from Ireland, do you know? So moving back age 10, like that's an age where you definitely know what's happening. You, you definitely have established that you have friends and what it means to have friends and to have to try and make new ones. Do you remember what that felt like? Oh, yeah. But I mean, the only reason I ever made any friends is because I knew what was going on in Home and Away. Like, I was the weird <laughs> kid with that really funny accent. But like, at that time, Home and Away was like wildly popular in Ireland. Yeah. And like, it was six months ahead in Ireland. And so once they cracked that I knew what was happening in Home and Away, I suddenly became incredibly popular. It was great <laughs> for my self-esteem because before that, I was going to be a serious nerd. My mom made me wear this horrific hairband as well and like it was just it was obviously the thing in Australia but when I came back to Ireland they were like what the <laughs> fuck is your one art like it was just this one of these like she was trying to make it match my school uniform as well and I was like ma'am I'm not fitting in here it's really not going 
going well. And then she was like, hit them with the home and away line. You'll be grand. So yeah, <laughs> that rescued my uh, my childhood years, I think. You know? I love it. Okay, Jackie, the first time you felt laughed at. Well, like school is weird like that because when you come back and you, ha- you have that weird accent, you obviously have to deal with all that trauma. But like school is just embarrassing for kids as well. Like I remember <laughs> when I was in secondary school, we often we used to do like I don't know if this happened when you were in school but like it became kind of like the norm to shower after PE much later in my uh, secondary school experience whereas at the start yeah. we were all like really weird around each other about like getting dressed in the, totally. in the you know so it was like you'd like do PE but then you'd be like weirdly kind of putting on your uniform and like it was like so I had this horrible horrible experience right where so I was doing PE and then getting into my clothes afterwards and I was putting on my school uniform in the only way that you would have at the time, which is where you still leave your shorts on oh, yeah, then you course. put your skirt on over the shorts and then you drop your shorts and you're still chatting away to all your friends. And suddenly I look down and I realize I've got my period for the very first time and there is blood all over the floor I swear to God and I never knew because I didn't know what it was maybe I felt like there was a pain in my stomach but I'm just standing there chatting in the PE locker stop and like I've got my school skirt on and my shorts are sitting on the ground destroyed and nobody told me everyone's just chatting away like I'm actually speechless. <laughs> Hang on, that is literally the stuff of nightmares. That's like, like a nightmare. I am sweating thinking about it. Like, there's girls that I'm still friends with who remember this. Like, because everyone was just chatting away, but like, you know, you're at that age where you're yeah. like probably like maybe 13, where like ev- nobody really knows what's going on. Yeah. And we hadn't really spoken about it as much. Like, I kind of knew it might be coming, but like, who knows when? Yeah. And yeah, so happened my first period literally in front of in front everybody. of everyone and what did, did anyone tell you no how no, did you figure it so out so I just because I saw it on the <laughs> ground I was like oh, Jesus Christ so I literally just kept chatting away picked up the shorts put them into my bag and then just kept chatting away and walked out oh my god Jackie yeah like dying inside and did Seriously. you just go about the go about the day as normal well and obviously I didn't have a phone because like this is way back when like I'm about 150 years old <laughs> compared to some kids now so I had to wait for the whole day to then go home and tell my mom because PE was like at 10 o'clock in the morning yeah. it's like first break or whatever yeah. and so then I go home and I'm like mom I got my period and she's just like oh that's fantastic love it's so brilliant oh it's so this is when you become a woman isn't it amazing and I was like yeah it would be if I didn't have it in front of the whole class I was like oh my god like honest to God literally the most embarrassing moment of my whole life wow yeah but you're still friends with good but I mean listen the girls thought it was hilarious (laughs) because then when it became a point that they could talk about it they were like yeah are we are we ready to talk about that because that was actually ridiculously funny and I was like well I'm glad you guys all find it hilarious now yeah oh Oh, it was terrible though but yeah Jack Early the moment where if you didn't laugh you'd cry oh I've had loads of these and like you know the way they say cats have nine lives? Well, that's the way I feel in my broadcasting career. Um, <laughs> do you know Mirren O'Connell that works in Virgin Media yes. that presents Ireland AM, right? Yeah. So we started our careers together in Live 95 in Limerick, in local radio. And I swear to God, only for the most sympathetic CEO of all time, I should have been fired multiple times. The two of us were always just acting the maggot and having the crack, whatever. But our one of our jobs was to drive the... Um, the ninety eight, the ninety five FM jeeps around. Oh yeah, um, like so you good probably crack. see them. Like yeah, really good cracks. So yeah. Used to drive around town doing traffic reports and having the crack or whatever. So anyway, one day I go down to the 
I, I don't know if you know that there's a petrol station on Dock Road, kind of just beyond Dolan's, and it's always really busy. There's loads of traffic there, right? So I went in, pull in, I'm chatting away, blah, 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 fill up the, the tank and off I go, only to drive down the road out to the Crescent on a Friday evening at about six o'clock. And like Limerick traffic, anybody who's listening knows it is absolutely bananas out there around that time. And next in the car, do, 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 do. And I'm like, God, what's wrong there? And then I realize I'm after putting petrol no, into a diesel Jeep, no. right? So I ring Sinead, who was in charge <laughs> of the Jeeps. I say, oh, Sinead, geez, I'm after putting um, petrol into the diesel Jeep. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do. And she said, look, don't worry about it. I'll ring the insurance. We'll get them to come out. It'll be fine. So she brings me back about five minutes later. And she was just like, look, at, um, the only person who's allowed to uh, let the insurance come and get you is actually David Ty, the CEO. Oh, God. So I'm going to have to get him to come and meet you. Imagine now the phone call that he got on a Friday evening, right? So he arrives out at a Crescent and he's like, come on, I'll give you a spin home. So I had to sit into the car and I was like, oh my God, David, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry about this. I was about 21 as well, like, you know. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And he was like, look, don't worry. We'll call it character building. It happens to all of us. Incredibly sympathetic, right? That was grand. Two weeks later, (laughs) myself and Mirren are, (laughs) we're parked up, um, like... So up in, in, in Limerick, right on Henry Street, the, there's uh, this shop called Gleason's that lots of people would be very familiar with. And it's kind of on a hill. Yeah. So we used to meet there in the morning. So I jump out of the Jeep and I'm I'm Mirren is in the Jeep behind me. So I jump out of the Jeep and I go back to the window and I'm saying to her, where do we go today? What's the plan? What do you reckon? And next thing I see her face going and she's waving at me right and she's trying to get the words out and then she goes the jeep the jeep the jeep and I turn around and the jeep is barreling down Henry Street right I swear to God okay so the the handbrake on the jeep was like one of those that you really need to yank it up it was kind of faulty Anyway, the Jeep is barreling. So I start sprinting down the hill after the Jeep, like a young one in flip-flops and jeans, (laughs) sprinting after a ton Jeep, like down the street, right? So anyway... Thank God it didn't hit anybody, right? It eventually stops and crashes into these cars outside the Garda station on Henry Street in Limerick, right? No. So I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, what is David Ty going to say to me now? Anyway, I'll go into the Garda station and I'll find out who owns these cars. So I go into the Garda station. That's what they go in and report And yourself. I say, how are you? Yeah, look, I'm after crashing into these cars outside. Can you help me find out who owns them? Your man says... Don't worry, love. I know who owns them. They're the unmarked Garda cars. Oh, no. <laughs> swear no. to God. I no. swear to God. I was like, oh, That is Jesus. hell. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what, what happened? Well, I had to ring David Ty again. <laughs> Hi, David. <laughs> How are you? Long time no um, chat, yeah, David. Listen, I know it's been a rough two weeks, but is there still a job for me? Um, and again, he was incredibly sympathetic and yeah. Character building, I guess. And and how bad? How'd you I mean, look at the car. The... the cars were like it was grand. The insurance covered. I didn't ask too many more questions. Oh, after that. oh my god! <laughs> I was uh, moved from that particular <laughs> position in my job after that. I think my uh, my driving skills after that, they were like, yeah, look, maybe we'll just look at doing something slightly different. But oh, jeez, what a legend was, David is! Oh, an absolute superstar. And after that, I'm telling you now, he was so good to myself and Mirren. We had so much crack, and I think he probably realised look at they might be messers um, but 
they have a bit of talent. Yes. And I'd say Mirren would say the same. You know, like those days is kind of what like made us of really course. like in terms of just, you know, local radio, just being allowed to actually make mistakes, make mistakes. and you have to. and learn and have and somebody having your back, which he really did, because only for him, I swear to God, I, he should have fired me, really. <laughs> you know, let's call a spade a spade. He definitely should have fired me. But thankfully he didn't. Where did you go from there then? What was the next broadcasting thing? I actually applied for um, a job. So TTV used to be like before Home and Away. Again, I don't know why Home and Away is in this story again. <laughs> but like, I don't know if you remember, but like there used to be this show um, called TTV that like you'd pop up. There'd be Aidan Power used to present it. So it'd be like yeah. Neighbours would be on, then Home and Away or whatever. And they were looking for contributors to come on and talk about like celebrity gossip and sport and whatever. And so I just happened to send in a tape. And uh, Teresa Smith, who was producing at the time, rang me one day randomly out of the blue. I was working in Live 95 and she said, we got your tape from a talent pool and we'd love you to come up and um, uh, basically screen for yes. one of the, the jobs. And I got the job doing five minutes on a Monday evening talking about sport. And after that, it was just, you know, hounding people in RTE saying, how are you? I do five minutes. I'd love to make that 10, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, and then after that, it just kind of went from there. You know, I got a job in production, um, cutting the analysis on the Sunday game and the premiership and that kind of stuff. And then it just it really went from there, like, you know. And the rest is history. And the rest is history. And again, it was funny because like I used to work behind the scenes a lot and I loved that. Mm -hmm. And when I was younger, I kind of thought maybe that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I remember having a conversation with Ray Houghton um, and he, he was working as a football pundit on the premiership at the time when we used to have the rights to that. And we were kind of just like going through. I was doing his analysis with him and we were kind of having a like a debate about it, you know, and he was saying, well, what would you do? And I was like, well, I don't know. Would you not think about this? And then we were kind of having like a good, strong debate. And he said, you're wasting your time doing this back here. You should be doing this, you know, on screen. And I was like, really? And he said, yeah. And not only did he say it to me, but he said it to my boss as well at the time. Stop. He was just like, she has a talent. You should use it. And I, I always like even any time I work with Ray since and like a long time, I, I obviously get the opportunity to work with him on a, on a regular basis now. But I always really appreciated that he went out of his way to actually say, do you know what? You should think about doing this. And and he's like, you know, I, I'm sure he wouldn't like to be taking credit for it, but he definitely played a role in it as well, you know? We never forget those people. No, we don't. We definitely don't. Okay, Jackie, your no laughing matter moment in life. Oh, look, you know, I think for anybody, grief is a, an awful thing. And to lose your brother um, in the circumstances that we lost my brother in a car crash is something that I genuinely think my family will never get over. And... There's just very little room for laughter when your life is turned upside down, you know, and I think for my mom and dad, the, the greatest thing that I've watched them do is to rebuild their lives and to to make something positive again, because it's not the natural order. Like I was 27 when my 25 year old brother died, you know, like for my parents to bury their youngest child goes against every grain of humanity that you would expect. But the kindness of people and just the ability of people to be able to help them to pick up their lives again is actually kind of what has made us all be able to live, you know, but like, I'll never forget the day that I got the phone call. I was working actually. And I, I don't know why, but it really bothered me that I was doing the news that day. Like my dad rang me and so my brother died kind of around, let's say six o'clock in the evening. And I was on the six o'clock news and people in the local village had heard that he had died 
And then I popped up on the screen and they were all like, no, 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 he couldn't be sure. There's Jackie, you know. And I know it's it's weird and it's a really weird thing to bother you, but it did. It really bothered me that people knew about it before I did, because I think in the industry that we work in, we're always trying to protect people. You always want the family to be looked after and whatever. And it really bothered me that, you know, in the in the world that we are, that I had to wait, you know, that all these people knew before me. And I know it's such a random thing to be bothered by. But when my dad rang me, you know, it was just everything stops. But you remember the moments that he just said, I have some terrible news, Sean is dead. And I just thought, Jesus, like, how how is, it po- how is this possible? You know, you just cannot comprehend it. And my sister is a pilot and she was away in Edinburgh at the time. And like she, you know, we had to wait for her to come back. Like she didn't get back for a day, you know. So like that poor girl had to fly across the world on her own, you know. And it just like my compassion for people in those circumstances is at an all time high now because I understand what it means. And yeah, it's just it's awful. And like 10 years on, it's still hurts all the time and I've got two kids who never never met him you know like uh, I think you know even watching my sister with her two kids like the difference that he would have made in their lives the uncle that he would have been the person that he would have been is just really hard it's hard to get your head around something like that you know how do you find the strength or where do you find the strength is there something in I suppose like I'm trying to to relate or understand it. And I suppose the most recent thing that I can think of is that Ashley Murphy, Mm. like her family and, you know, you heard the kind of things that people were talking about. It's like, and she hears that her family actually played music. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I can never get, like, where do you find that strength or what happens or what clicks in you that gets you to literally get up and dress yourself and go to the funeral and meet people is it just a survival mode? Uh, yeah, and I think you want to do their... I, I suppose you want to do them justice. Like, my brother was hilarious. Mm. Like, Sean is one of the funniest people I ever knew. And, like, when you lose a character like that, the worst thing that you can do is wallow because they would hate that. They'd hate like, it, he, I know. he would just hate that. And, like, I remember even around the time of the funeral, they brought a load of motorbikes because uh, my brother was a motorbike racer, a very successful one. And... They brought a load, all of his like, you know, former teammates and competitors and all. And they just revved the motorbikes in the graveyard. And it was like such, such a bizarre sound. But then everybody started singing Black is the Colour, which is one of his favourite songs. And it was just like the contrast of like we we're singing <laughs> this like really lovely song. And then there's people like, Arr! and it was just like suddenly we started laughing. And I was like, this is the most ridiculous ridiculous thing to be laughing at but it was just like having those moments of remembering that and like I was doing a eulogy at the funeral and you're trying to remember like some things about him and and all I could think of was funny memories and it was just like you're really trying to make sure that people understand that okay we've lost a life and it's incredibly difficult but I want you to remember the person that you knew and it's like you know he was really like so when I came home for my 21st birthday I was doing my J1 in America, right? And uh, I walked through the door and the first thing he said to me was, geez, we don't even need to ask who ate all the pies anyway. (laughs) No! And I was like, all right, good to see you too, you prick. And he was just like, "Um, you've obviously been having a great time. And I was like, oh yeah, thanks a million. But it was just like, that's the way he was just funny. It was just like doing the old J1 stone now. J1 tone. Yeah, well, look at, you know, this is what happened. But so for my party, I had decided that I was going to have a fancy dress 
party right and my mum and dad everybody in my family is huge into fancy dress like my mum's 50th was an Australian theme everybody dressed up her 60th was an 80s theme everybody just does that in my family right and so it was on in the ESB hall in Bishopstown but there was like a pre-party in our house and so Sean had decided he wasn't dressing up because I think there was a few women on scene and he was trying to make sure that he was cool cool. enough right so he was like no 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 I I won't be dressing up and I was like okay grand fine my mum and dad were dressed up as a plug and socket right (laughs) (laughs) I was dressed up as like somebody jumping out of a cake my sister was dressed up as something else ridiculous and Sean was like I'm not having any of this right and I was like okay grand anyway so party starts loads of people start coming into the house and there's loads of people and they're all dressed up in like loads of different things and obviously it starts hitting him that he's going to be missing out on the crack so he says to Trina go on look we'll go down the hall and see what we find anyway they come back up the hall and he's wearing a wetsuit and a Hannibal Lecter mask right and so I just look at the two of them and I'm like who is he supposed to be? And Trina goes, he's Hannibal Lecter goes to sea. And I was like, okay, fine, fair enough. So fast forward into the night, right? And we're inside in the ESB hall in Bishopstown. The DJ's giving it loads and everybody's on the dance floor. Your man is there sweating bullets inside in a five millimeter wetsuit, like a winter wetsuit. And he's wearing the mask, absolutely baking the face off himself, right? And that's not even the worst thing because there's people coming up to him all night and they're asking, who the hell are you supposed to be? And he's getting thick. And eventually he's like, oh, I don't know, some fucker goes to sea. Anyway, I don't even know. And then he's just like, but uh, like that's the worst thing like I just totally regret everything about this night and it's just like I'm just looking at him there and like for as long as I live my mum and dad we just like anytime you're roasting hot but they were like ah yeah but is it as bad as wearing a wetsuit inside the ESB hall it was just like so he was just like a real character and you really miss like you know the laugh that you know that he'd bring yes. like you know at Christmas and at Easter and those things where you just like some a memory like that comes to you and you go ah oh, jeez do you remember when he did that and like that's the hard thing because yeah. it's not just you don't just lose somebody I always say this you don't just lose somebody that week you lose someone forever and yeah. I think people kind of sometimes forget about that that for families you have a whole life to live yeah. after that you know yeah. that's that's the difficult part but you cherish the memories 100% and we are you know my mom always said we were lucky to have him for 25 years as opposed to him being lost for the next you know 25 to 50 we're just very very grateful that we had him for 25 great years Jackie, the person you always laugh with. Oh, I've, like, I mean, I have so many funny people in my life, like my family. Like I said, my daughter, Lily, is without a shadow of a doubt, the funniest person I know. <laughs> She's only four years old, but I already want to be friends with the adult. <laughs> she is just gas like now I'm sure parenting the teenager is going to be particularly difficult but like she's just like she comes out with so many one liners she's just always laughing she has a mild obsession with her vagina which <laughs> <laughs> like I, I was so unexpected <laughs> But like I thought you were going to say Like her goldfish No like, No 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 And it like You can imagine now In the playground When all she is like On a swing And she's like On the rope swings And all she's roaring out is Mom my vagina is so sore And I'm just like Lily Just stop it Just stop please And like We had another incident Where Like every family We had worms in our house Once right And Shane was away For the weekend And I happened to be In the playground And Shane arrived back And 
and next thing Lily just announces <laughs> to everyone in the playground dad dad the worms are gone do you want to check do you want to see and he's just like stop <laughs> talking stop talking and she was like look at my Gina and he was just like oh Jesus Christ these people think that we are so weird and I was just like yeah but she's just really like I don't know that and like her knickers like she is constantly like these knickers they're just not big enough they don't suit me and my my, my, my sister was like this when we were younger as well so when we grew up in Australia my mom and dad used to have to ship the knickers to Australia Stop. and this was not at a time when you buy online like they literally had to ship them over and I was there to Trina the other day I was like I swear to God she's actually reincarnated because all she cares about is her gina and her knickers <laughs> it's reckless she's just gas though like you know she's just like I've just never met anyone she, like her you mentioned the teenage version of her she's gonna absolutely hate you oh she, she is this. oh my god she's gonna, like, listen, she's gonna die she's gonna like, listen to the last year like yeah, let's she face is. it she look, I, I could see Lily being a big fan of this like you know but like I have loads of like you know the way your mates you probably don't get to see them as much anymore but like I would have this where like we'd have WhatsApp groups where like all it takes is just like one conversation or one joke for yes. everybody to jump in on it and we have this one expression in our WhatsApp group that makes everybody just stop and roar laughing and it is the two words sorry now right my friend Sarah used to work with this girl called Julie but she was buying a house and uh she was going off to, to look at it. This girl with a really strong North Cork accent, right? And so the estate agent is showing Julie around the house and she says, look, you know, here's the bedrooms or whatever. Now, Julie, there's one very important thing. Out the back of the house, there's a well and the well needs a lot of care and attention. So you're really going to have to mind the well a lot of time out the back, just checking because it's the spring source of everything or whatever. So a lot of care and attention. And Julie goes, sorry now. <laughs> But if you think for one second that I'm going to sit at home minding a fucking well all day, I have a job, like, right? <laughs> and the estate agent just looks at her and is like, what? Oh, so like literally our friend Sarah is telling us this and like for every moment after that, like somebody would be going, oh, can you get me a drink? And we'd be like, sorry, no, I have a job, like. And like still to this day, nearly 20 years later, our WhatsApp group, anytime somebody puts up, sorry, now, everybody just melts. And it's just... Oh, it's just brilliant. But I think that's what, like, that's what, that's what's been so good about the pandemic yes. is that, like, even with the distance of seeing people, just things like that just set you off. You just be yeah. roaring about something stupid. But sorry, <laughs> now I'm telling you, anyone who like knows that girl or heard that story over the years, like, it's just one of the most repeated phrases in our WhatsApp group. You know, Jackie, a time where you had the last laugh. It's probably now, really, like. I suppose in my career there's lots of ups and downs and there's lots of jobs that you don't get like for me when I was a kid I really wanted the Sunday game like yeah. that was probably what I grew up dreaming of and then when it came to it I didn't get it you know and like it, it really broke my heart at the time like there was lots of tears there was a lot of like you know this is not going to happen for you and like I was this close to leaving RTE oh, yeah yeah like I had effectively accepted another job um, and I was I suppose in a way I probably didn't see a future for myself in RTE anymore I thought like I suppose the, the, the job for me that I thought was the one for me was gone and then I kind of thought you know I'm sure lots of people in their careers you reach a point where you think you're at your ceiling and then you're wondering where am I going to go now and so when I didn't get it there was a lot of soul searching and, and I really thought at the time leaving might have been the right thing but 
a few senior people in RTE talked to me around and just said, look, wait, you know, there's there's a few more things on the horizon and just trust us. And it's kind of now like I see it, like getting the rugby, which was such a left field thing for me because like I'm a huge rugby fan. I probably spend more time going to rugby as a fan than I do any other sport. But I never thought presenting it would be a reality because really? it was never it was never there for me. It was never tangible. It was always somebody else's job, whereas I think in my head, I probably thought maybe with the GAA, there would be a change eventually. Whereas with the rugby, it was always kind of somebody else. So I never saw it coming. Um, so it was like the greatest surprise of all time. And I kind of think along the way, you've got lots of people who will tell you it's not going to work out or it's not going to happen for you. Or why should a woman be doing that job that a man has done all the time? And I kind of think now, like, I'm very proud of where we have all come. And, you know, like Joanne and Ivan and Marie and Claire and like I look around RTE and all the really strong female sports sports broadcasters. I'm really proud to be one of them. And I'm like really glad that I stayed because I could have easily left and gone off and done God only knows what. I don't know where it would have taken me. But what I do know now is that it was the right decision for me. And I think I can laugh quietly to myself now after all the tears that I shed over something that I didn't get knowing now that this was right for me. And it's so hard at the time to go, you know, because people will tell you when you are getting the nose along the way, people will be like, it wasn't for you. Yeah. It passed for a reason. It's so hard. You can be like, well, but off. you are though, because you're like, Hero, what do you know? I, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. And like at the time, you're also thinking, like, well, I really thought that was for me. So I'm yeah. just going to keep crying. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, you're not helping me. Yeah. But like now, knowing though, like, I think do people do say like, you know, what's meant for you won't pass you by. And I do really feel like I am doing now what I what I'm meant to be doing. And there's a real a gratitude in that that does actually kind of make you just stop and go, Oh, thank God I stayed. <laughs> you yes. Know, you know, as someone who has been like so in the whole women in sport topic and like it's obviously the conversation has changed and evolved so much and it is changing for the better. Do you really feel like it's changing for the better? And have you noticed a big shift in just just like the importance of it and the importance of talking about it and if she can't see it she can't be it and all yeah. that kind of stuff yeah yeah it's huge and like particularly the last five years I think has it, it has accelerated in a way that I wasn't even expecting because the previous 10 years had actually been quite slow whereas actually I think you see now like all you have to do is look around you like yeah. look what you know Rachel is doing and Kelly and Katie and like even just watching someone like Nina Carberry winning Dancing with yes. the Stars and seeing her continuously evolve as a sports person even after she stopped being a competitor I'm there saying to like my kids, look at this. This is what you can be. You can aspire to be somebody who is strong and brilliant and courageous and carries that through their whole lives. And I just think the, the powerful women that we have at the moment, there are no better role models for, for kids than seeing strong sports women like that. And yeah, just it's it's been really amazing. Like, And particularly with the books, with Girls Play 2, I see the impact that it has on primary school kids. And that's, I think, where, like I always say, if you talk to adults, you might change a few minds. But if you talk to kids, you can change the future. Totally. Because actually they're the ones who are going to have the power to do something about this. And I see it with them that the primary school kids are all about this. And and I I love that. If laughter wasn't the best medicine, what would be? Gin and tonic. (laughs) (laughs) Straight in. Oh, stop. Like it just, do you know what? It's um, because laughter goes to me with having the crack, spending time with your mates and getting out, you know, like Jesus, we've missed it in the last couple (sighs) of years. Like I would have loved a good boogie and a, having the crack and all that you just don't get to do that anymore like you know I I really miss it I miss being out 
I swear, Jackie, I, I had tonsillitis that w- last week and it's because I went wild there for a few oh, weeks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, I have a wedding coming up now and God love the people who are around me. I'll be letting loose. Like, at Anna Geary's wedding, I got so wild, I nearly took out... In fact, I did take out her mother-in-law. <laughs> I, so my party trick, right, would be take the um, the what do you call these tablecloths off the table <laughs> and tie them all together and make a big skipping rope right so we had a huge skipping rope at Anna and Kev's wedding in the middle of the dance floor and Rob Heffernan was in and he was giving it loads and we were trying to trip him up because you know he's very fast he's only a little fella flying right <laughs> and next thing um, Kev's mom came in and next thing we were there oh with God. the skipping rope no gone on the ground on the dance floor legs gone the whole lot <laughs> yeah and I was like Jeez, I'm very sorry. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. And they were just like, oh my God, your one is an absolute lunatic. I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry about that. Yeah. I need the details um, though. What kind of gin? Oh, Dingle gin. Has to be. Yeah. Yum. And if they want to send it to my house, I'll uh, pass on my address <laughs> later on. Hashtag collab yeah. <laughs> with Jackie. Um, yeah, it has to be. And any particular tonic? Uh, fever treat tonic and a little dropping of lime. Oh, so you have to give stunning. the lime a good squeeze and run it around the glass as well. You have to. You have to rim the glass. Jeez, you have to rim the glass. I'm not drinking out of an unrimmed glass now. (laughs) Jesus, I'm a lady with glass (laughs) during. Love it. Okay, are you ready for your quick fire round? I am. Okay, the actor that you always laugh at. Will Ferrell. Love him. Absolute rock star. Stunning. The actress you always laugh at. I'm going to go rogue on this and say Christina Applegate. I love rogue. Okay, okay, right. Because I loved her since Married with Children. And loads of people now are like... Like what is she in now But I'm just like Who cares? I always thought she was funny yeah. yeah She's in loads of classics Yeah The movie that makes you laugh out loud Well she's in one of them Have you ever seen The Sweetest Thing oh. With her and Oh my god Like her and Cameron Diaz Just Like I honestly Every <laughs> single time I see that I laugh my arse off At that And Anchorman And maybe it's an industry thing But I still think Anchorman Is so like repeatable In today's day It has aged incredibly so well. well Those two movies I If I'm tired or emotional They're the ones <laughs> Love them The comedian that always makes you laugh Like I've always loved Tommy But in recent and, and like I still love Tommy I think he's just Tommy Tiernan sorry He's like just an absolute Superstar And his jokes have just Again aged really well But I'm loving Joanne McNally These oh. days I just like uh, I'm just I'm dying to go and see the Prosecco Express oh because God. I just think she is just gas and she has taken it to a new level where previously maybe people thought and I would love Deirdre O'Kane as well it's just like maybe female comedians didn't get the same kind of yeah. treatment as, as men that people didn't think oh sure women aren't as funny as they are Joanne McNally is so gas now that I actually nearly weed myself the other day <laughs> laughing at her like you know so she wipes just, the floor with a lot of oh, them oh she's brilliant yeah. like she's just so so funny and finally Jackie your best or worst joke? Now, I, I don't really have like I'm so like all of my jokes are so inappropriate that I can't share any of them. So <laughs> oh, I was like, on. I had to get on to my I had to get on to my friends <laughs> and was just like, somebody give me a joke. And in fairness, my friend Michelle sent me a funny joke which I did which I did laugh at when she sent it, which I think is good. So, <laughs> what do you call fake spaghetti? Go on, an impasta. <laughs> <laughs> I did think that was funny. Now, that is fair. good. Yeah, I love when they're short and sweet. That's exactly. A very nice one. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Sorry, Jackie. I couldn't uh, give you one of Michael Bublé's special with an impression and everything in it. Sorry, I just I've couldn't have that. I've non-stop slagging about Michael Bublé that he was flirting with me and I was flirting I'm with him. I'm telling you, I, I thought you were going to get the shift at the end. I really did. I full on thought she's going to get the shift. Jackie, here. he's a married man. Well, look at you know, he's a good-looking married man though. You know, oh, God <laughs> Almighty, we don't condone that behaviour on this podcast. Jackie Early, thank you so. So, so much I thoroughly enjoyed that thank you for sharing the laughs of your life thanks a million for having me I loved it 
you for listening to the Laughs of Your Life podcast with Jackie Hurley. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you do, don't forget to like, subscribe, rate and review. It really does help the show if you do. And don't forget, our new release day is Mondays. This podcast is produced by Chemistry Media and Collaborative Studios. And this season of the Laughs of Your Life podcast is brought to you by FNF Fashion at Tesco. Tesco.